Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you joined us today, Sunday, July 24, 2022, for the episode, Telling Time for Beginners, Lucifer's Rise, Reign, and Ruin. It's going to be a great episode today. And did you know that we're approaching almost 200 free episodes on This Week in the Word that you can find at dredhill.podbean.com. And you know what you should do? You should listen to a lot of those. And right here today, you should like this episode and follow the podcast and share it with somebody. That's exactly what you should do. So we're glad you're with us today, even if it's not on July 24th when you're listening. You're welcome here. If you're seeing more and more insanity in society, you might be near the end times. That's sort of like (laughs) we might be used to hearing that. Jeff Foxworthy said it. And you know who is responsible for all of this insanity? Just like the church lady said on Saturday Night Live, Satan! That's right. Boo, Satan. We're going to talk about Satan's career, basically, where it started, how it's been, and where it's headed, and it ain't good. Let's talk first about his rise. (laughs) I like what Rodney Dangerfield said. He said, I started out young as a baby. Yeah, great idea, Rodney. (laughs) But not Lucifer. He wasn't born. He was specially created by God. In fact, it may be in terms of the angelic angels that he, it seems like he could have certainly been the highest creation of the angelic order. But he was specially created by God. Now, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, if you don't know where that is, you can look it up later, but just listen right now. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, we find out what the name of Satan is. And we read there, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? So we see here that his name, Lucifer, means light bringing like a shining star. And remember that he seems to have had some specially created purpose and giving glory and leading in worship of God, who alone is worthy of worship. But we see in this passage that he's fallen from heaven. And we're going to learn more about that today. Now, we're going to read more of Isaiah 14, and I'm going to read from verses 4 to verse 17. And this is about the king of Babylon. But I want you to know something here. When I say it's about the king of Babylon, it's kind of a, and you'll see what I mean as we read this, it's kind of a historical, spiritual mashup. And it's it's hard to see almost where one part starts and the other part ends. But Lucifer is ultimately behind all the evil rulers of the world. So he certainly is behind the king of Babylon. But we're going to read this, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a moment. Isaiah 14, verses 4 through 17. That thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon, and say, How hath the oppressor ceased? 
the golden city ceased. The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke, he that ruled the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller is come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. Now watch this, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the earth, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now you see there in 12 to 14, this could certainly not be said of the king of Babylon. This is someone else spoken of here. And that would be the king behind the king of Babylon. That would be Lucifer. Let's go to verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? So you see in that passage, just as I said, that it seems to to be a, a combination, a mixture of God's word against the king of Babylon, but also someone who is greater than the king of Babylon, and namely, like in verse 12, it says that would be Lucifer that we know of as Satan or the devil or the serpent. Now in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 1 to 19, we see a similar thing. Isn't that interesting? A historical and spiritual mashup. Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man, and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and thine understanding, and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches, and hast gotten gold and silver 
into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? (laughs) But thou shalt be a man, and no God, in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Now watch this in verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now earlier it was the prince of Tyrus, now it's the king of Tyrus. And say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the psalm, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now watch carefully verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty, Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth, in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Now right there in Ezekiel 28, from 11 to verse, I would say all the way to the end of the chapter for sure. These are things that could not be said of the of the prince of Tyrus, a mere man. In fact, God tells that guy he's just a man. 
Here, this is a completely different being. In fact, Lucifer was so special in his creation by God that apparently it says uh, that the workmanship of thy tablets, that's like a, a, um, like a tambourine, that kind of thing, so like a, a drum that you can tap, and of thy pipe, so this would be like a, a musical instrument, was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Some think that these musical instruments were actually a part of Lucifer. But notice that he was the anointed cherub that covered. I think, I think we're safe in saying that he was the angel allowed to be the closest to the to God. Does that make sense? And yet we know through pride, he, he sinned in his pride and he was judged accordingly. But the things that are said of the king of Tyrus about what he was covered with, how he was created, is he anointed cherub, are clearly not true of the pagan prince of Tyrus who was the human king of the city of Tyre. Now in Revelation 20 verse 2 so that there's no doubt and no mistake, the Lord explains to us who the devil really is. In Revelation 20, verse 2, and he, he's talking about an angel here, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, it's all the same one as Lucifer, and bound him a thousand years. And we'll see that more in just a moment. So we see his rise how specially he was created until he rebelled and sinned against God. And he wanted the worship of heaven that was due only to God himself. Now let's look not at his rise. We just finished that. Let's look at his reign. This week, (laughs) I couldn't pass this up. I saw a YouTube video entitled, The Curse of Led Zeppelin. And I thought, oh, this ought to be interesting. So I watched it. And I figured it'd be the same old kind of stuff we always hear about rock music and all that. All right. I've heard that before. But I watched this video. It's over an hour long, I believe. It is completely fascinating. there, There apparently is a real curse on the band Led Zeppelin. Now you have to watch that video and it's all explained in great detail. And and you make you decide, you see. But in that video I was reminded of someone I'd heard of before named Robert Johnson. He was a blues man down in Mississippi. Not a whole lot is known about him, but he became very widely known and popular and apparently he died at about age twenty seven. It is said in legend that he went to the crossroads, which relates back to voodooism and Haiti and, you know, occult type rituals, that type of thing, and made a deal with the devil. You know, you you make me famous and you can have my soul, basically the idea. You know, the stupid thing about that idea is everybody is born lost and Satan already has everybody's soul. Jesus has to come into that life when a person is born again and set them free, right? So it's sort of like, man, what what a lot of wool has been pulled over people's eyes on that one. But Robert Johnson is said to have done that. Do you know, 
I, I like playing guitar, and I know of a lot of guitarists over time. And I've heard Robert Johnson play and sing on those records. And to me, somebody like Howling Wolf was way better than Robert Johnson. I don't get it. In my opinion, he doesn't sound that great. But at that time, everybody thought he was all that and a bag of chips, if you know what I'm saying. But if you want to know more about the curse of Led Zeppelin and even more about Robert Johnson, you should watch that YouTube video that's literally entitled The Curse of Led Zeppelin, Music's Dark Side. It's extremely well researched. It's it's great if you like uh, entertainment and all that kind of stuff. Read that. But within that video, and you have to go see it to understand what I'm talking about, Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin got completely enthralled with magic, and he discovered the Egyptian Book of the Dead. I mean, it already existed, but he found out about it. And he got into the spells and rituals and all of that. And I don't, I don't want to ruin it for you. you. You've got to go watch watch this. But, man, is it ever interesting. And to me, in my humble opinion, based on what I know about the Bible... I think Satan was definitely messing with that band. And and you'll just have to see what I mean if you choose to watch it. And people like uh, the historical figure Alistair Crowley, who was um, basically a psycho nut job, I think, but, but he was clearly demonized. And he loved Satan, and he loved the occult. So you can learn even more about him in that same video. But let's talk about Satan's reign. Is he real? Uh, yes, he is. Uh, let's get that out of the way right away. Jesus Christ conversed with him. And I'm going to show you that right here in, in Scripture. So if Jesus says he's real, he's real. All right? there's That's the end of all discussion for me. So let's read in Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. Now this is right after the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. So in Luke 4, 1 through 13, we read this. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So, so he's following the will of his Father by the Holy Spirit to go into the wilderness because he's going to confront Satan and be confronted by Satan and pass the test. All right, Luke 4, verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now, that's Lucifer. We know that for sure. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God... Command this stone that it be made bread. In other words, he was tempting him to use his power as God in human form to to use that power to take care of himself. And I think the idea there of if thou be is it's almost like he's saying, okay, since you're the son of God, at least that's kind of how I read it, he knew he was the Son of God. Uh, Lucifer knew that. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live 
by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. So I think here the devil, Lucifer, is trying to say, you don't, you don't have to go to the cross and die an atoning sacrificial death to rule the world. I, I own it. I'll give it to you. Trying to deter Christ from the cross. I'm so glad Jesus resisted him because you and I would be eternally hopeless because we needed Jesus Christ alone to die for our sin and pay our sin debt that we might be forgiven and born again. Amen? So he shows, I don't know how he did it, but he shows Jesus all of the kingdoms of the ages, their greatness, their pomp, their wealth, their treasures, and their authority, and all that kind of stuff in a moment of time. And he says, and, and the glory of them. And he says, it's delivered unto him. Theologians debate as to whether or not that is true. Whether or not maybe Satan's exaggerating a little bit. Or maybe he does have firm control all of that of all of that for a time. It's hard to know which. I think that he controls that to a great extent. And this is where the idea comes that people say, hey, in return for becoming fabulously wealthy, I will serve you. Or if you will make me famous, uh, I'm your boy, Satan. You know, that kind of thing, like a deal. Well, Jesus took no such deal. Amen. He says in verse 7 that, that uh, he would give him these kingdoms. In verse 7, if thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Now, you know, that's completely reversed. Satan, Lucifer, the devil, should have been on his knees worshiping Jesus. Amen? And where do you stand on that? Are you resisting the Lord Jesus Christ like Satan? Or are you worshiping him as you should and he is worthy of Verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem. So now he's going down the religious route, right? Okay. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. Now I did some research uh, months ago on the temple in Jerusalem. This is a massive, when Herod built it, it was a massive complex. I forget how many stories high the pinnacles would have been, but they were way up there, all right? And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written. Now, the devil, he goes to quote in Scripture, 
Be careful when he's doing that, all right? Because he's going to twist it. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So we're learning here, and remember we're still in the section about uh, not his rise, we saw that initially, but we're learning about his reign. Now I'm about to share something with you that I'm willing to, to suspect that almost no one knows what I'm about to say. Very few of you listeners will know what I'm about to say. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus Christ is speaking, and he says here, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I believe he's talking here about Satan, that the the jig is just about up for Satan, right? Lest you think that I got that wrong, let's read John 14, verse 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And do you know how Satan came to that upper room on that evening? Judas became indwelt by Satan. And, and, uh, Judas left the upper room and he went to the authorities and did that dirty deal for 30 pieces of silver and he led them not to the upper room, but he led them to the garden where Jesus was arrested. Okay? But notice who's involved in that. The prince of this world. John 16 verse 11. Jesus is speaking again of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. He's talking about Satan is about to be destroyed spiritually. We also know that not only is he called in the Bible during his reign, the prince of this world. So listen, if you can't figure out why politics constantly stays in a state of chaos and disarray, think about who's running it. The prince of this world. And by the way, what is a prince? He's nothing more than a wannabe king. And Lucifer will never be the true king of the world. But he's going to give it a good old college try. He's not only the prince of this world, he's also called in the Bible the prince of the power of the air. That probably means that the realm in which we live and operate in this world while we're above ground, of course, is the air, you know, the the earth we live on, where the air is. He's a prince of the power of the air. In Ephesians 2, verse 2, we read this, Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to, watch this, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
<laughs> I remember one time I, I kind of challenged evangelist Sam Cathy on that because uh, he was saying that everyone is basically indwelt by the spirit of disobedience or the children of disobedience, and that's Satan. And I was taking it like everybody was like demon-possessed, and in a way they are if they're lost. They don't know Jesus yet, but maybe not in the obvious way that someone is, is demon, demon-possessed demon and demonized and they go berserk. But they, listen, the, the attitude and the spirit and the life force, if you want to think of it that way, that operates in the lost world, it's Satan! This doesn't take rocket science or theological degree to understand this. That's why Sam Cathy got exasperated with me. I get it now. I get what he was saying. So listen, let's plug in what we've just talked about. Listen carefully. If you zoned out on me, tune back in right here. Listen. Media, politics, education, arts and entertainment, medicine, sports, anything you can name, they're like Santa Claus because Satan's in it and he's everywhere. He's everywhere. You see what I'm saying? Satan has got his hand, his influence in everything. And I didn't mean to say that they're like Santa Claus. I mean, it's like, it's like Santa Claus. Satan is, is in all this stuff. Now he's not in it like God. In other words, he, He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. But you know what? He doesn't have to do it that way. He found another way to do it because he's not God. But his influence is exerted through his network of rebellious angels. We call them demons, okay? They're the angels that rebelled with him and were kicked out with him. You know, they're sort of like the mafia. You've got like some guy who's the head of a crime family. He doesn't go out pulling off heists and shakedowns and, you know, collecting the bag money for a protection racket and the numbers games and all of that. He's got a whole system of people that answer to somebody over them and they all go do their thing and answer to the guy over them and he answers to the guy over him all the way back up to the boss. Satan... If you ever wonder where that came from, it probably came from Satan. That's how Satan has his kingdom set up. And it's sort of like the Democrat Party. <laughs> They're set up the same way. <laughs> hey, you know in your heart what I just said is true. They don't miss a trick, buddy. They got everything down, in my opinion, including the elections. Especially in some places like Chicago. I read a book that was about... Uh, is, I don't know, it's about six inches thick that my son gave me called, um, what was it called? Al Capone and, um, oh man, I don't want to, the, the Untouchables. Yeah, Capone and the Untouchables, I think was the title of it. Look, I knew Chicago had its history. I knew Al Capone was a dirty rat, you know, that kind of thing. I knew, I knew all that. I thought, when I read that book, I had no idea how deep the corruption runs in Chicago. And I don't mean just right now, like anything has changed. I mean for 150 years back, the fix has been in in Chicago. Nothing is left to chance. If you think I'm exaggerating, you go get that book and read it and your mouth will stay falling open 
for the entire book. It's crazy. But that's what Satan does, all right? Now, the Antichrist that is going to come in the future, in the tribulation, he will rule seven years over a global government, a global religion, a global economy. He's going to be completely in control of it, but that doesn't become completely in force until the midpoint of the tribulation, when apparently he is killed, but guess what? He resurrects, a fake resurrection. How does that happen? Satan enters this dude's body, and the Antichrist is alive and well again, and that's when all of that kicks in and what the Lord Jesus Christ himself called the Great Tribulation. The last three and a half years of the tribulation. And you know what one of the things the Antichrist does during that? According to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I believe I have the right chapter. He's going to sit in the temple of God and he's going to say, I'm God, worship me. And that's going to be enforced through his religious, uh, global religion and global economic system and his total control of the world. He will literally be indwelt by Satan. By the way, if you think, well, that's kind of weird. It's already happened once before when Judas was indwelt by Satan and betrayed Christ. Are you beginning to understand history as you look back? Are you beginning to understand that we're slap dab in the middle of an epic universal battle between God and Satan? Now, there's no doubt that God's going to win, but that doesn't mean it isn't painful along the way for everybody involved who has to live, you know, between these warring sides. Now, I've got a shocker for you. (laughs) This is going to be a complete shock to everyone, I would imagine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, we read in this verse... And I think it's part of the verse. I think there's another part that I didn't concentrate on here, or it may be the next verse. But you can look it up and check me out. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, Paul the Apostle says, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into wait for it. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. In Greek, it's angelos phos. It's a messenger of light. Wait a minute, Pastor Ed. I mean, isn't he like associated with occultism and darkness and all things evil? Yes. But he's able to transform himself into an angel of light. I think this is how the false religions of the world have all been started. He transformed himself into an angel of light. And Joseph Smith and, uh, now I'm starting to name religious now, uh, Gautama Buddha and, uh, just on down the line, uh, Mohammed and you just, you name them. And all the cults. I think mean, Satan transformed himself into an angel of light in these people's lives and gave them a false message and they followed it. The word for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That word transformed, the Greek word is metaschematizo. You, you know a scheme, like a schematic, a design. Meta is uh, through, 
metaschematizo, it means in Greek to remodel. I metaschematizoed my kitchen last week. I remodeled my kitchen. I transfigured my kitchen. In the middle voice, it means to transform oneself, literally. I mean, let's, let's all agree. To remodel your kitchen's one thing. To change yourself in front of other people. Now that's amazing. Alright? The devil can do that. The idea is he is able to disguise himself. He wears a mask, if you want to think of it that way, to hide his true identity and his true intention. He presents a false image, a false picture, a false promise to those who follow him. Now, let me wrap this part up on his reign. Now, I want you to listen carefully. Lucifer works both sides of the street. Oh, I thought he was only in the Democrat Party. Now, he's in the Republicans, too. And he's in the Libertarians, and the Communist Party, and the Socialists, and on down the line. Lucifer works both sides of the street and the median too. If this trick won't work, he uses, guess what, that trick. He doesn't care. The only goal is to get everybody that he can uh, to make sure they get kept on his side. Okay? And don't go to the side of Jesus. Let me give you a, a what I think is a wonderful analogy. You may not, but it's my podcast. All right. Like a restaurateur, a guy who owns a bunch of restaurants. Now listen, Lucifer is like a restaurateur who owns a McDonald's and a Burger King too. He doesn't really care. He owns an Applebee's and an Olive Garden. You like Applebee's? Great. You like Italian food? Great. I don't care, Satan says. He owns a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and a Buffalo Wild Wings. Listen, the point is, in this analogy, wherever you eat, you're in his restaurant. Are you getting it? We who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ live in a fallen world system, and until he won't be allowed to do so anymore, Satan runs it. Lucifer runs it. He gets people coming and going as an angel of light or as the prince of darkness, like a lot of people think of him. Either way, he keeps them on his side. Whatever it takes, baby, that's kind of his motto. So he's seen his rise and his reign. Is anybody going to do something about this person, this, this, this being, Lucifer? Yep. Let's look at his ruin. It's been a long time coming. But come, it will. And it's so richly deserved. We've seen that he lost his position as a worship leader of heaven. We've seen that. We've seen that he either has or soon will be located only on the earth. I, I, can, I cannot say that I know that he's completely unable to access heaven now. I know he accuses the brethren. I think he still does that. So maybe he still has limited access. But let me tell you what, and we could we could discuss that a lot. At some point, if he still does, at some point he's not going to. 
He either is now or soon will be located only on the earth. Now I'm going to read Revelation 12, 1 through 17. And I'm trying to decide whether to explain all of this here yet or not. I'm only going to say that the woman we're going to see, I believe, is the nation Israel, through whom Jesus Christ came as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And since Satan could not keep him from coming, he takes out his anger on the Jewish people and on anybody who believes in Jesus during the tribulation. And there will be many who turn to the Lord Jesus Christ during that time. I don't want to try to explain every part of it now. It would take two podcasts. But just hang with me and, and listen. Revelation 12, 1-17. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, upon his heads, rather, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days." And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So I think this is future, and I think it's... um, I'd have to study this more, but I'm kind of thinking it's at the midpoint of the tribulation. But uh, I don't want to be dogmatic on that, but at that point he's cast out. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth 
the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we see here that (laughs) amazing things are ahead for the world and it begins to untangle or unfold the ruin of Satan. Ultimately, there are two more things that are going to happen. Not just that he's located on the earth only, but he's going to be locked up for 1,000 years. In Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, we read, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed, a little season. So Satan is locked up in this bottomless pit for literally 1,000 years, at which time the millennial reign of Christ, Jesus Christ on the throne of David from Jerusalem, will govern the entire world through an unprecedented glorious 1,000 years. But there will be people born to the believers uh, that came to Christ during the tribulation and weren't killed that live into, they live through the tribulation and into the millennial kingdom, they will have children who will have to decide if they want to bow the knee to King Jesus. And they, on the outside, they will have to. But this rebellion occurs at the end that people will be called out of the kingdom and not enter into heaven eternally because they will not bow to King Jesus. And what are you going to do with somebody like that, right? There isn't anything you can do with them because they will not trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that Satan was loosed, right? All right, now let's go to Revelation 20, verses 4 through 15, and we're going to see that eventually... He will be in a lake of fire eternally. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, 
neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. See, they were put in there right when Christ came back to take over. They've already been there a thousand years, and they're not getting out. And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat there on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This terrible, Pastor Ed, how could God do that? Let me read you something. Matthew 25, verse 41, where Jesus says this, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the lake of fire was never made for mankind, and God has done everything possible that no one ever have to go there. People go there because they reject Jesus. Now listen, don't spend eternity with evil. Are you in danger of that today? Did you know that by just being born, you're already on Satan's team? His team has a name, Lucifer's Losers. Get off that team by being born again 
into the team of Jesus. I'm going to give you a phone number to call. Someone will help you come to Christ. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. Or you can go to chataboutjesus.com. I want you to know that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned with him to an eternal lake of fire, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. Listen, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope you will trust Him today if you are not yet a Christian. If you are a Christian, I hope this episode today has encouraged you and your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you'll be more committed than ever. Listen, like this episode, follow the podcast, share it with someone today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week on This Week in the Word. Bye-bye. Thank you.